Welcome to Cloud Out Loud podcast with your hosts, John Gallagher and Logan Gallagher. Join these two skeptical enthusiasts, or are they enthusiastic skeptics, as they talk to each other about the cloud out loud. These two gents are determined to stay focused on being lazy and cheap as they evaluate what's going on in the cloud, how it affects their projects and company cultures, and sometimes how it affects the world outside of computing infrastructure. Please remember that the opinions expressed here are solely those of the participants and not those of any cloud provider, software vendor, or any other entity. As with everything in the software industry, your mileage may vary. Welcome back. So this is going to be a relatively brief discussion, which was inspired by a tweet from uh, Simon Wardley, obviously on Twitter. He's at Swardley. And we'll put a link to the thread and link to to his bio in the show notes. It's interesting because it encapsulated a lot of how we feel about the cloud, how we feel a lot of people are trying to adopt the cloud. And it's also kind of endemic about modern capitalism itself, that a lot of money is spent essentially following fashion, that people are more than willing to spend millions, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in order to look like everybody else and not really accomplish as the things that everyone else is accomplishing. So, Logan, introduce us to Simon Wardley in this tweet thread. Sure. So, Simon Wardley, I think, wears a lot of hats, has gone by a lot of titles. They're kind of buzzy, things like a thought leader, futurist. He's the type of person that he'll, he'll speak at a keynote at a conference and he'll often be in a room with executives. And I think is pretty good at seeing trends. I tend to agree with a lot of things she says, but this thread particularly we gravitated to. And he starts it as a, a hypothetical conversation with him and a company, Company X. And Company X says, we are invested heavily in the cloud. He says, okay. Company X says, thoughts? He replies, are you after validation? Okay, it depends upon what you mean by that. Building on serverless, creating skills in that space is good, but a bit late. Starting a DevOps IaaS journey today would not be so good. And he continues on with the thread where they're inquiring why he's so pessimistic. And he's pretty blunt in telling them, if you're just trying to tell me that you're spending a big X dollar amount on cloud, you're behind the times. And often five to six years behind the times at this point, because a lot of companies have stopped just talking about that and are doing it, are well in the way on that cloud journey. And so if you in 2022 are bragging about a large dollar amount cloud spend that you're committing to with one of the big platforms, there's not much to be impressed right now. You need to start moving. Yeah. Where things lie in 2022 is that if you are a large corporation and you've been in business and IT is a critical aspect of your company and you're not in the cloud, if you're not actively in the cloud and looking to decommission data centers, you're way, way, way behind the times. And one of the reasons why we resonate this was obviously the ability of Simon Wardley to, to speak truth to the sea level. But the other thing that resonates for us is that he is very focused on the culture and capability of delivering solutions, period, and in the cloud in general, and what the process of doing that is. 
if it's 2022 and you are just now beginning your cloud journey, you've got a massive task at catching up to the people who've already started changing their culture, who've already started getting away from hard machines, who've started getting away from managing storage arrays, managing networks, and are now, their whole focus is on the top layer of delivering solutions and letting the public cloud take care of that for them. So we are big fans of telling that truth, and which obviously feeds into our consultancy and our training, but is also just so obvious to us that there's no other way to approach business now except for those unique situations where data governance, legal constrictions, or maybe cost structures force you to run your own data centers. It should be the case right now that if you're not currently operating in the cloud, if you don't have a significant commitment, not just investment, but commitment and applications running in the cloud, that should be a gigantic blinking red light for you. And it definitely should be a gigantic blinking red light for your board of directors and for your investors. And that he goes on to talk more about that in terms of the, the history of developing into the cloud. He, I think one of the money tweets in the thread that's pretty funny is he tells the hypothetical company, over a decade ago, I sat listening to a bunch of execs talk about their $1 billion private cloud. I said I could create the same effect with about $20 million. Company X replies, how? And he says, pay me $20 million to sit on a beach for five years, and at the end, I'll phone you up to tell you we failed. <laughs> and I think that highlights something that when a company typically to impress the market announces this high dollar, large technological investment, and in the case of, of a private cloud, something of a vanity project, then they're not really going to derive much value out of it. And often, more often than not, that project will fail. And so you might as well pay some high-dollar consultant to blow off and then, uh, and then tell you it didn't work out in five years. That's right. They could have saved $780 million or $980 million just by having someone tell you they're going to fail. Remember, the awful truth about IT is 80% of IT efforts, IT projects fail. And that is a hard gosh darn number. And by fail, it means we funded this project to do X, we either fail completely, nothing happened, or we achieve B on our journey towards X, or everything goes out of scope and the need for whatever we're going to do with the project goes away. And that is literally why Jeff Bezos gave the go-ahead to Amazon Web Services, is that Amazon was growing so quickly that it couldn't afford the time it took to fail. So what he wanted, what he created was a mandate that said everyone's going to communicate to each other via API calls. You're going to concentrate on your own little slice of the pie. You know, you are the printing people. You will publish an API to do printing and you'll focus on printing and people will consume your printing services via API. And that grew up into AWS where everything's um, API driven. That grew into things like Google Cloud and Azure. So that you have these piece part components that rather than taking one gigantic leap and failing midpoint, you have these piece part components where you're saying, oh, I, I need to set up a printing service. Oh, that was hard. And you wasted a week, two weeks trying it one way, and maybe in another two weeks you succeed. 
these businesses that want to issue press releases about how they're going digital or they're going into the cloud and they're going to invest all this money inherently are betting on this big leap, this one gigantic moonshot. Even in the moon, even in our journey to the moon, it was a succession of small steps that told us which is a viable pathway, which is a non-viable pathway. But we, so many companies have not learned that. And this is the, the interlocutor in this dialogue that Simon is jesting with, is completely unaware of the fact that this $800 million is complete vanity. Yep. And something that jumped out to us is that a Simon Wardley, he is the type of individual that gets to be in the rooms with the C-suite, with the executives. And so when they're telling him we're committing to $800 million in cloud spend with this cloud provider, there's very likely a large disconnect between the folks in that room, those executives, and their actual engineers that know which of the technologies that that cloud provider offers they actually need to use and that you know top line 800 million dollar amount may have very little relation to the actual underlying technologies that they need to use to deliver their products and to go to market so that dollar amount it often especially in these press releases appears to just be to move markets, and maybe not actually move product. Yeah. Now, we're slagging the corporation in, in this talk, but let's save some fire for the public cloud providers themselves, because the public cloud providers are all about the press releases themselves. They're all about so-and-so is committed to our public cloud for $800 million. They're all about creating these contracts that have, how are they enforceable, for gosh sakes? They aren't prepaying or anything, but it's a battle of press releases on both sides, creating ungodly messes underneath it. If you are a purchasing agent for large corporation and you engage in this process of negotiating with Microsoft, Amazon, Google to get a discount, the Microsoft, Amazon, Googles are going to want you to have some sort of commitment for them to give you back this discount. So you, as a purchasing agent, your OKRs may be, I continuously save 20% off published list price. And congratulations, you get a bonus. And as Logan said, did anyone talk to the engineering staff? <laughs> Does anyone know what they're currently running on? Does anyone know of any transition plans to move off of the platforms into a cloud-capable system? Or, as Simon's pointing out here, the future is not servers. The future is consuming services in a serverless manner. You know, I uh, had a class this morning when I was trying to explain that the vast, vast, vast majority of websites these days don't need a web server. You don't need to be running Apache Nginx. You could have it sitting in a public cloud box, in a public cloud bucket, and run all your stuff off of that and have specialized services that are running as a result of invoking HTTP REST interfaces. How do you explain that to a purchasing clerk? A purchasing agent who's been working with a large computer provider and making sure that Supermicro and Dell are competing against each other. That's not the case anymore. You need to be engaging with your engineering staff saying, Will, what's your, what's your plan? Are you going serverless? Are you providing... Are we going to decompose our applications into microservices? 
So, oh my gosh, you're going to have to have people in the purchasing department that actually have subject matter knowledge of what you're executing on in IT. That's a tough thing to get. And to conclude the thread, Wardley is advocating, as we do, for moving to serverless, that if you are not in the business of making and maintaining handcrafted servers, you really should be going into the space where you don't care about the underlying hypervisor, you don't care about the underlying VM, you just care about your application code, and that is running well and it is instrumented. And so to do that, you will need to likely train up the folks in your organization, start building that culture around using serverless technologies, start a project, start some greenfield project for one new product using all serverless, and really start learning about how in this more pay-as-you-go model, how you can optimize for cost for your applications and run them as efficiently as possible because you've no longer committed to running it on some box that's a sunk cost. Now you're only paying for what you use. And that's a new paradigm for a lot of folks, including in this industry. Absolutely. The blowback on this is that you're going to have to change your culture. If you have a culture where, okay, that's an application development team. I have my network administration team. I have my storage administration team. I have my security team. And the only time they come together is on a quarterly basis to point fingers at each other. You are going to fail in the cloud. By the way, you're currently failing right now. It's just obscured with the fact that you've got all these sunk costs and uh, inertia driving your operations. But if you haven't coordinated all these people, if you haven't asked your storage administration people, how much data do we have? And how often is it accessed? And what data are we storing? Are we commingling data that's personally identifiable information about our customers in with data that's information about our employees and their tax forms? Are we separating the two as we're supposed to? Your network administrators. Are your network administrators, have they created plans to prevent the exfiltration of data to bad areas of the world? You know, we've seen so many times where if you had some sort of detection that, hey, my data is leaving my data center and ending up in Romania, that would have been a clue. Um, Whereas the cloud providers now can create service controls and create boundary areas to geographically maintain your data. Your teams may not know the challenges that they are being tasked with. They definitely aren't able to communicate to someone who's negotiating this contract with an Amazon, with a Microsoft, with a, with a Google to get a discount. So the, this whole idea of, you know, we're heavily invested, we have an $800 million commit. Logan and I are looking at each other like, for what? <laughs> and by the way, if you went serverless, that could be a $400 million commit. And I think the real value of moving into that world was really underlined for us when there's a press release that Google put out on Tuesday, Tuesday the 9th of August. We're recording today on Thursday, August 11th, that they were announcing three new regions in Asia in addition to the existing 34 cloud regions that Google already has. They announced new regions in Malaysia, Thailand, and New Zealand this week. In addition to their other six recently announced upcoming regions that are going to be in Berlin, Damam, 
Doha, Mexico, Tel Aviv, and Turin. So if you have built your application to be able to run in a container, in a serverless package, and that can drop into really any of these Google regions, you now have the incredible potential to run your application as close to your end user as physically possible. Across currently 34, soon to be 40 regions for Google, Amazon is in the mid-20s, so they are also have an enormous global footprint. You can take advantage of these massive cloud platforms and the investment that these companies have already sunk into their uh, global footprint and run your code as close to your end user as physically possible. Yeah. There's another uh, uh, person we follow on the Platformomics, www.platformomics.com, who creates estimates of the spend for the major public cloud providers. Table stakes, just the ability to get in as a public cloud provider, is between 50 and $75 billion worth of a network investment. And that network investment is just increasing every year. It was $10 billion a year. Now I think it's between $15 and $20 billion a year. So when you are looking at something like that, when you're looking at essentially a worldwide footprint, a worldwide computer, and then you look at your own internal data centers that are running in some sketchy neighborhood outside the city, how do you think you're going to compete with that? You know, you need to focus at the layer of your industry. You as, and if you're an IT professional listening to that, your job is to make sure that the company understands that your tasks in maintaining the infrastructure, maintaining the network, maintaining the machines, maintaining your virtualization licenses, all of that is wasted money. That you and your team need to be redeploying yourself concentrating on applications and capturing and distributing data to make business decisions faster within your own company. Because if you're not doing it, your competitors definitely are. Wow, that was definitely a soapbox episode. We'd like to thank Simon Wardley for the inspiration on this one. He's a great follow on, on Twitter. There's a bunch of other people we follow on this, and we'll, we'll stick some of them on in the show notes. But I think that felt good to release those. It's cathartic for us at the minimum. <laughs> so thank you all for listening. We've got some interesting stuff coming up. We've got some commitments from very interesting people to join us and talk about their experiences in using the cloud and helping people use the cloud. Uh, we'll be making announcements of those probably in the next couple of weeks. So for those of you out there following us, uh, stay tuned. We've got some even more interesting things coming. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Cloud Out Loud podcast. Please let us know in comments if you caught either of the gents calling a product or technology by the wrong name. Other information and suggestions are welcome too. Or feel free to tweet us at at cloudoutloudpod or email us at cloudoutloud at ndhsw.com. We hope to see you again next week for another episode of Cloud Out Loud. <laughs>